And we've been looking at really the last uh, several Sundays about two men. We were going through Hebrews 11 and we stopped on Hebrews 11:32 because we got to two men of faith, Samuel and David, that really deserve a lot of attention. On one Sunday, we looked at Saul and then last Sunday, we looked at David in that very famous story in the Bible, the story of David and Goliath. And we looked at how David had been put through the wilderness for a reason, because God was preparing him. And we had to have faith during that time. But one, one quality, and if you have your notes there, you can see <clears throat> the title is very simple this morning, Pride. One quality really stood out in the life of Saul. Look at 1 Samuel chapter number 18. The Bible says in verse number five, and David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I preach this message in Jesus' name. Amen. King Saul had great potential. He was chosen by God out of all the men of Israel and Judah to be the very first king of that combined kingdom of Israel and Judah, to bring them from the period of judges to that period of, of the kingship, the monarchy. Um, why is his name synonymous then with failure? When you, when you think of the name Saul in the Bible, you don't think of a, really a great man. But why is that? It's because of sin. It's because of sin. But which sin? If you look at the many times that he messed up and his progression, it's the sin that you know, sin of pride, that's the, the heading there, and it's the sin that blinds us to recognizing it in our own lives, yet makes us see it everywhere in others, and it's the silent, behind-the-scenes destroyer of friendships, of families, and of churches. C.S. Lewis wrote this on the particular sin that we're talking about. It says, Pride is the essential vice, the utmost evil. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. And pride is one of those messages, just like prayer for me, that whenever I hear what the message is going to be on, I automatically fall under conviction. Because pride is something, if you don't think that you're afflicted with pride, I think you might be afflicted with pride. It's just one of those things. Pride just blinds you. And from pride proceed so many other sins that are constantly deceiving us to that reality about pride. I want to show you uh, three aspects of pride this morning that we see in the life of Saul. Number one, pride desires recognition. Pride desires recognition. The verses I just read here in chapter 18 just came after chapter 17. And if you want to remember, memorize David and Goliath. That happened in chapter 17. Um, and, and, uh, and, and Saul brings David back to the kingdom. And he could not handle, though, the recognition that David got. Do you remember that Saul had that big problem with Goliath? 
what was he going to do? 40 days, twice a day, Saul or uh, Goliath came out, Goliath of Gath, the Philistine, the giant, challenging all of Israel, saying, what are you going to do? Send somebody out here, just mocking the God of Israel, mocking the armies of Israel. And Saul had no solution there. And then David comes in and by faith and with God's help, he defeats Goliath. He takes Goliath's sword and cuts off Goliath's head and, and they pursue the whole army of the Philistines and God wrought a great victory that day. So, of course, Saul brings David back. Uh, he already knew David. David had come before to play his harp for him. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and then uh, uh, Saul says, you're going to live with me. Uh, he already asked him to be his armor bearer um, and I'm going to make you a platoon leader. And if you look in verse number five, David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. He was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Uh, Saul's son, Jonathan and David became best friends. And, uh, and it was just a wonderful thing. And everything that Saul asked David to do, David did it well. He did it wisely. Uh, he did it, the Lord was with him. He did it uh, humbly in humility. And so he was successful. But when Saul saw David's success, he could not handle it. Pride desires recognition. Saul wanted all the attention. Saul wanted all the attention. Somebody said there's no limit to what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. You may have heard about the turtle here in Western North Carolina that thought it would be fun to go down to Florida for the winter. And so obviously the turtle can't walk all the way to Florida. It would take a little while. And so he enlisted the help of a couple of Canadian geese, his friends, the Canadian geese. And so he had the idea, why don't y'all take a rope about this big, grab it uh, really tight and uh, maybe in your mouths and I'll take my vice-like grip in my mouth and I'll grab the middle of it and I can dangle in the middle. I can do that forever and you can fly me down to Florida. They said, okay. They said, I can do that. And so they, they got it all worked out. And so things were going quite well. They were going over the mountains. They got to a flat country. Uh, it was going great until somebody down on the ground looked up and they said, wow, I wonder who thought of that. And the turtle wanted everybody to know. So he turned around and said, I did. And he felt his death. You know, uh, proud people have got to have the recognition. They want everybody to be looking at them. Proverbs 29, 23 says, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Pride in your life will get you all worked up. It'll fill you with anxiety. It'll make you try to prove things to people. Always so concerned about if people are noticing you, if people are approving you. And uh, the clever salesman appeared to the pride of his customers by beginning, let me show you something your neighbors said you couldn't afford. (laughs) And you know, pride makes us want to prove things to people. It proves we're a certain status, we're a certain intelligence, or we, we already know that. How many of us have gone through a conversation nodding our head like we know what the other person's talking about and we don't know what they're talking about. And, and a lot of times that's, that's pride. Pride deserves recognition and pride will make you anxious when other people do well. It, it won't, you can't rejoice in the success of others. You want that recognition. And pride is the source of all strife. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 10, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. You think about that. Only by pride cometh contention. Contention is arguing or strife or, or envy, bitterness, stuff like that. Only by pride. If there's contention in your family or in your your church or with your friends or at work, only by pride. Somewhere there is pride, and only by pride cometh contention. And that doesn't please God. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes 
And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Instead of Saul being happy for David, when David was successful in the roles Saul placed him, he was bitter and angry and envious, all issuing from a heart of pride. You know, Saul is the one that told David to kill Goliath. I put this in your notes. In 1 Samuel 17, 37, Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. Remember when David was asking, he said, you can't do it. And he said, well, I killed the lion, the bear. And then Saul said, okay, you have my blessing, go. Saul is the one who kept David at his house. He said in verse number two, chapter 18, Saul took him that day, would let him no, uh, go no more home to his father's house. Saul is the one that put David in authority, the platoon leader, and, and David submitted to everything with a good spirit, and yet when David was successful in what Saul asked him to do, he could not handle it. Why? Because of pride. C.S. Lewis wrote more. He says, we say that people are proud of being rich, clever, good-looking, but they're not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Can I ask you this morning, challenge you, examine your heart. Is there pride in your heart? Only by pride cometh contention. And pride needs recognition. Number two, pride fights for promotion. Pride fights for promotion. After two weeks of pre-K, Linda Wilbank's five-year-old grandson came home with a mighty big compliment. Nick told his grandmother that he was the smartest kid in class. With a deep sense of pride, Linda asked him if that, that's what his teacher said. Nick replied, no ma'am, I had to tell her. <laughs> Remember when Saul was first anointed king? He was little in his own eyes, the Bible says. Saul couldn't believe it. He kind of argued with Samuel. He said, no, no, I can't do it. Uh, when it came time for Samuel to announce before everybody that this is the man that God had chosen, remember what Saul did? He hid himself among the stuff, the Bible says. He was shy. He didn't think that he could do it. And that's where God could use him, when he was humble, when he had humility. But pride fights for promotion. Something happened along the way for Saul. Something crept into his heart that made him used to being king, used to telling people what to do, and he couldn't have it any other way. Remember when he intruded onto the priest's office by offering sacrifice, and Samuel said, you shouldn't have done that. And then when he refused to kill all the Amalekites and kill all their stuff that God said, kill all the animals and everything, he didn't do that. He kept the best for themselves alive. And Samuel said, this day has God rent the kingdom from thee. Why? Because it was pride. He says, I know better. I know I'm not supposed to intrude in the priest's office. I'm going to do it anyways. I know that God said this, but I think I've got a better way in rebelling. And you see a pattern. If you read from here to the end of the book of 1 Samuel, you see that Saul really, really lost his mind. I mean, there was one point later after David fled, I was reading, he went back when there was a place where the priest had helped David by giving him the sword of Goliath that was being stored there in the temple as David was on the run. And Saul found out about it because there was a man there that was loyal to Saul in the town. And what Saul did was he went and killed 80 plus, I think it was 84 of the priests just because they helped David later on after it turned really bad. I mean, I mean, Saul had lost it. Saul knew that God had rejected him from being king, but instead of Saul stepping aside humbly and saying, okay, you're right, my bad, he held on to power viciously and violently, pridefully. You know, it's not just a, a little pet sin of, well, I'm a little selfish, or, well, I tell a lie from time to time, well, I'm, I'm bullheaded, and, and no, it's pride. It's pride. It all issues from pride. And the Bible says, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. 
Saul had gotten too big to fail in his own eyes. The Bible says, though, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You and I have to trust and obey God and trust him for the results. Now, I want to take a moment and give you a little apologetics lesson, because as I study these chapters, there's one thing that really pops out to me that if I don't address, I feel like I would be remiss in doing so. If you go back to uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse number 14. The, the, the question I ask myself as I read these verses, three times it happens. I, you, know, you know, I'm reading all the chapters around 1 Samuel to get the whole picture as I'm studying. And one thing pops out. Why did God send an evil spirit to trouble Saul? Look at verse number uh, 14 of chapter 16. This is before David and Goliath, but right after David is anointed king. And so you have Samuel being rejected for being king. Then you have right after Samuel, I'm sorry, Saul being rejected for being king, Samuel going to anoint David. And then right away, the next verse in verse 14 is, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And we see David then came, played with his harp, and he was refreshed and made well. So, but, but, but you read that verse, and, and that might pop out to you like it popped out to me. An evil spirit from the Lord troubled uh, uh, Saul. And it happened three times. And, and I, I want to go through just a few points because somebody might read that and think, well, what in the world? What is God doing? Or might your, your child might ask you. You might read that and be confused. So I want to uh, give you a, a, few, a few points to remember as you read that. And I'll explain it to you. And then I think it'll be clear. So... The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, we're living in the New Testament church age now. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit indwells you permanently. He is an earnest of your redemption, as in he's not refundable. He, is, he seals you until one day when you meet Jesus Christ, you get a new, a new body. Uh, but in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for them to do miracles or do different things. We looked at that in Judges, how the Holy Spirit would come upon people to help them do things, and then he would leave. The Holy Spirit did not permanently indwell people in the Old Testament. He does now. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit never left somebody once uh, they, the Holy Spirit indwelled somebody, okay? But in the Old Testament, they did. So Saul was being blessed. The Holy Spirit of God was upon Saul because God had chosen him uh, to be the king, the first king, and God was blessing him, but Saul rejected God. He rejected God at least twice that we read about, and so God publicly rejected him. You're going to rebel against me. I'm not going to be able to bless your ministry any longer. And so that's why the spirit of God departed from Saul. So we can understand that. That's easy to understand, I think. But then it says an evil spirit from the Lord troubled Saul. Even if it said an evil spirit troubled Saul, we'd understand that a little bit more easily than an evil spirit from the Lord troubled Saul. Now, why would God, how could God send an evil spirit to do anything? few things. First of all, and I put all these in your notes, a little more notes than usual on a Sunday morning, but I just want you to be able to take it home and look at it later. God does not try to make people sin. You have to remember that. God is never tempting you to sin. The Bible says in James 1.13, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. If you feel like you're being tempted to sin, that is not God, okay? It's, it's usually of your own flesh that you're drawn away of your own lust and enticed. The Bible says in the same book later. Next, Saul had already rejected God more than once. Uh, God had made plain through his prophet Samuel that, that Samuel or that Saul was rejected from being king. First Samuel 15, 28, 
Samuel said unto him, Saul, the Lord hath rent the kingdom from Israel of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And we know that that's David. In that same chapter, it says David was a man after his own heart. Next, remember, God is sovereign and all-powerful and all-knowing. Now, that right there is worth the message. If you just remember that, God is sovereign. You ask, why, why, why? And, and that's, that's fine. Ask why, but always remember, God is sovereign. Sovereign means he's above all and he can do anything. God is capable. He's all-powerful. He knows everything. He is powerful. Everything that you see is his creation. Uh, God is all-powerful, and he's sovereign. He is the supreme, all-powerful ruler of the universe. So what does that mean? You think about that a little bit. He sees every move before we make it. He knows everything we're thinking and will think in the future. You know, the really great chess players. Any of y'all like chess? You're patient. I like chess. It just takes forever. Uh, but yeah, who in here is really good at chess? The geniuses. Oh, nobody. Okay. Checkers. A few of you, you're saying that's okay. You can be a, a proud genius. Um, but you know, the, the best chess players are ones that can think ahead and anticipate the next move. Well, imagine this. God, if you were playing chess, it's kind of a trite illustration, but uh, God knows every move that's going to be made. He, he, would, he would win before he started playing, you know. Uh, God knows everything, and he sees in your life everything. We kind of alluded to that with David's life, how he needed the wilderness, remember? He needed that lion to attack him, that bear, so he could exercise his faith and prove God in his own life. So in the future, he would be uh, confident to conquer Goliath with God's help because he'd already proven God in the wilderness. You see, why God? Well, God knew what was coming. And so God knew exactly what he needed to happen in Israel. Stay with me now. And so when David was anointed king, when David was anointed king, he is a lowly shepherd boy way out in Bethlehem. How is he going to get to the palace and take over a kingdom whose king is unwilling to do so, who's an evil king at this point and getting worse by the day? God is sovereign. Um, Romans 8, 28, by the way, to finish this thought, the Bible says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. It's hard to submit to God working in our lives, to God moving the chess pieces in our lives because we can't see what's coming. But God sees. God knows exactly what's coming. What he needs in your life, what he needs you to do in someone else's life, okay? And that's why we've got to just submit and trust to God. Uh, trust God. And as, next point, as God is sovereign, that sovereignty includes Satan and devils or demons. Devils, evil spirits, uh, demons, it's all the same thing. Demon is not in the King James Bible, it's devils, but we call them demons. It's all the same thing. It's the fallen angels. And you know, Satan and all the, his minions, they're created beings. God created them, you know, and they fell from heaven by rebelling against God, but they're all created. And God's sovereignty is not limited. We have got to remove the idea in our mind that we get maybe from cartoons or whatnot of two equal entities, God and Satan, duking it out in the ring. You know, maybe one's got a weight advantage, but they're both fighting and who's going to win today? It's not like here's God and here's Satan and they're equal and they're both fighting and who's going to win? That's not it at all. You know, if, if I were going to compare uh, my strength to maybe my child, I could bring up Luke right here. He's my little two-year-old boy. He's my doppelganger. You see him running around here. And uh, he's, he's about this tall. And so that would be a good comparison between how our power would be compared to angels or evil spirits or demons or whatnot. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not equal. The Bible says that God hath made man a little lower than the angels. 
we are no match for an angel or an evil spirit or demon or, or something like that. And so there's a difference there. But if then, so I would be the angel and this would be mankind and the example the illustration. But if you are going to compare created beings, angels, to God, it would be like God being the sun in the sky and me being the angel, 93 million miles of difference. And that's not even a good enough illustration because God is limitless. He's infinite. He is all powerful. There's no limit. Everything in this world was created by a word of God. You see? And so there, there is, is no equality between evil spirits and God. Remember when uh, the devil wanted to mess with Job, the whole book of Job? He had to ask permission. And devils, demons, evil spirits can do no less than God commands and uh, no, no more than God commands and no less. You see? God doesn't tempt anyone to do evil. He doesn't. And yet, God is sovereign over everything. All right, so with that in mind, God had to get David to the palace. Saul had rejected God from being king. Now, this is all to help you understand why did the evil spirit from the Lord trouble Saul? Because when God says, hey, evil spirit, go trouble Saul, I need to get David to the palace to introduce himself to Saul to play his harp and to have a good testimony he had to do it. When Jesus was walking the earth, who was the son of God, God in the flesh, and he said, evil spirits, there's a legion in you, doesn't matter, out. They had to obey. They had to obey. Everything that God has created, which is everything, has to submit to the word of God. The winds and the seas, uh, the hurricanes. We, why do we pray for Hurricane Delta and the victims and all of that? Because everything is submissive, subservient to the will and the word of God. Boy, that's, I, hope, I hope you're listening in on that. This is really helpful, I think. It was helpful to me as I studied this out and kind of made uh, each, each point uh, subsequent to the next one and building on it. Okay, next, so the second time. So remember, Saul had already rejected God. Saul had rejected God. And then the Holy Spirit just politely left, okay? Because Saul kept rejecting God. Then the evil spirit troubles. And then David came to the palace. The next time the evil spirit of the Lord troubled Saul was in uh, chapter number 18, and now Saul is prideful. His pride is getting the best of him. These, these uh, ladies in verse number seven, the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. It was like, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. They were going, Saul has slain his thousands, thousands, thousands. But David is ten thousands. And they were singing and Saul hated that. No, I'm the man. I'm head and shoulders above everybody else. And he was already getting pretty worked up and paranoid because he knew there was another king. Because Samuel had said, this day the kingdom is taken from you. And now he's all, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And he was ready to box out, fight, you know, like a football player, like a lineman. Nobody is getting past me. I'm going to retain this kingdom. And so in verse number eight, Saul was very wroth. And verse number nine, Saul eyed David from that day forward. So he's filled with pride. And look at verse number 10. It came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in, his, in, in Saul's hand. And so Saul before had responded well to the soothing music, the good Christ-honoring, pleasant music, the nice chord progression of the, of the heart music, and the evil spirit left him. We talked about how good music has an effect on your spirit, okay? And then, but not this time. Saul was so filled with pride and had such a hard heart and was resisting any working of God that verse 11, Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice here. And then later we'll look at it the next time. And Saul was afraid of David. Look at that. He was afraid because why? The Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. 
There's several times that Saul makes allusion to the fact that he knows that David is God's pick for the next king. He said it to Jonathan later on. He said, while, while David, while the son of Jesse lives, your kingdom won't be established. And Jonathan was resisting that. He was always submissive to God's will and to David and all that. Uh, but I think right here, if I had to pick a spot where Saul realizes that this man is the next king, every, God is blessing everything. Everyone approves of David. The servants of Saul, everybody, the armies, and Saul was terrified now, uh-oh, this is the guy. He says, uh, the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore, okay, God sent the evil spirit again because God needed David to do what? He needed him promoted. Look at verse 13. Therefore, Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. God says, I need David to go from uh, just an attendant, a platoon leader, somebody that's popular in the palace, to now I need him to have leadership experience. I need him to, to lead a thousand men out here in battle. And so what did he do? God knew everything that was going to happen. And so the evil spirits are submissive to God. He said, evil spirit, I need you to trouble Saul. He's rejected me. I, he's not repenting. I need you to trouble Saul so that this will happen. And so when Saul realized that David is the guy, I need to get David out of the kingdom. I need to get him as far away from the throne as possible. And so he did. But verse 14, David behaved himself wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. So why did God, so to, to button that up, why did God send an evil spirit to trouble Saul? It is because uh, God is sovereign and, and God can do anything with anything. Uh, in, in, uh, after Samuel anointed David Bethlehem, he anointed David in Bethlehem, he had to get David to the palace, an evil spirit. Uh, after God removed uh, his blessing off Saul, he needed David to get promoted so he would get more experience, so he sent an evil spirit. And then the, the, the last time, look at, uh, let's see, verse number, uh, Psalm chapter number 19. Uh, let's see. 19. Oh, verse number 9. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul, and he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand. So this is the third time. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence and he smote the javelin into the wall and David fled and escaped that night. There's a lot of stuff we're skipping over, but from here on, he's fleeing. From here on begins the new stage in David's life where he is back in the wilderness. Again, we talked about that, how that could be another sermon, how God was really preparing David for a lifetime in the wilderness. Uh, but for many years, he's in the wilderness. But God needed that to happen because for David to get to the point where he would take over the kingdom one day, he had to actually, at that point, separate himself from the organized armies of Saul. Uh, let's see, look in verse number, um, let's see, chapter uh, 22 because when he got driven out, and we, we skipped a lot of stuff, and it makes for really interesting reading. So read the rest of uh, uh, 1 Samuel from 18 to the end of the book. But look at verse number 2 of chapter 22. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented. It sounds like our church. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Gather themselves, I'm just kidding. Gather themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with them about 400 men. And so David is in exile, and yet 400 men find David. Because they know David now. He was just uh, with, with, uh, with Achish, the king in Gath, I believe his name was. And he saw him and he said, hey, you're the king in Israel, right? Everybody knew that he was going to be the next king. And so 400 people come out. If you look at chapter 23, by verse 13, there were 600 men, mighty men, that came unto David. And from this point forward, David never went out to seek 
battle with Saul, but he would defend Israel. He would fight against the Philistines. He would fight the Philistines and be running from Saul the rest of the time. So why did God send an evil spirit to Saul? Because he's sovereign and God's will was being performed. Boy, that, that's, that's, interesting. that's just a little apologetics or a defense of the faith of why would God do that? And I hope you remember that. I hope that was helpful. But why did God have to do that in the first place? It's because Sam or Saul, I keep getting them mixed up. Saul would not submit to God. Saul and his pride would not submit to God's plan and God's leading in his life. Number three, I want you to see that pride precedes destruction. Number one, we saw pride desires recognition. Pride fights for promotion. It fights for promotion. Saul violently fought for promotion. And then number three, pride precedes destruction. If you've got pride in your life, destruction is coming. I don't know how it's going to look or in what form, but if you've got pride in your life, what's coming next is contention and destruction. Proverbs 16, 18, the Bible says, pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. If you look at the territory the kingdom of Israel had, it was smaller when Saul died, the last chapter of 1 Samuel. Uh, he, he died a an embarrassing, a miserable death. He and all three of his sons in one battle when, when David was away. And David mourned for that family, mourned especially for his, his best friend, Jonathan. Uh, pride precedes destruction. You know, Saul could have, had a, could have had a great kingdom. He was chosen by God, but what got in the way? Pride, just pride. How simple would it have been just to submit to God and just wait for Samuel to come to offer that sacrifice? How simple would it have been to just obey God exactly what he said to do with that a war against the Amalekites. And then how simple would it have been for him to just retire? Not easy, would have had to lay down his pride, but just resign the kingdom when Samuel said, it's not your kingdom anymore. I'm gonna give it to somebody better than you, a man after my own heart. But what got in the way? Pride, pride, pride. If you're struggling with pride, I guarantee you, you're gonna fall. I guarantee it. You can deal with it and repent or God will deal with it. God resists the proud, y'all. James 4, 6, where he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. If you have pride in your life, everything you try to accomplish, everything you try to do, God's not blessing, God's doing this. God's saying no, no, he, he cannot stand pride. He cannot stand it. The first step towards humility is to realize you're proud. Is <laughs> to realize it, to admit it. And if you think this morning that you don't have pride, it probably means you have a whole lot of pride. Maybe this morning, and I'm about done here, maybe this morning you've been too proud to get saved. I think pride keeps a lot of people from getting saved. People who think, uh, well, I don't want people to look at me differently or I'm well-respected or I grew up in church or my spouse doesn't know that I'm not saved. Uh, that's all pride. And that won't fly when you stand before the Lord. He'll look in that Lamb's book of life and it won't matter the reason, your pride if you did not get saved, you do not accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, accept that gift of salvation, then you will go to hell. That place prepared for the devil and his angels and the, for those who reject Christ. And that's, that's terrible. God doesn't want anybody to go there. God loved you so much, he sent his son Jesus. We talked about Sunday school. It's Jesus to die for your sins. But pride will keep a lot of people out of heaven. Maybe this morning you're too proud to bow the knee at an altar, too proud to get sin right too proud to submit to God, too proud to invite your friends to church, too proud to stand up for Christ when those around you are doing wrong, too proud to ask somebody for help, too proud to give help. The Bible says, yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So what do you do? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God 
that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Listen, pride takes many forms. Are you anxious today? You're worried. You constantly live in fear and anxiety about things, about your past, about the future. That's a form of pride. He says, God resists the proud, so humble yourselves, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This morning, if God spoke into your heart about pride, may I ask you, please get it right. This morning, Brother Sam, if you wouldn't mind making your way to the piano, this morning, Brother Sam's going to play a hymn of invitation, and we're going to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed in just a moment. What that means is invitation. It's an invitation to respond to the message. And if this morning you're not saved, you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, would you come forward? Somebody can show you right now, this morning, from the Bible privately, how to know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. But if this morning you're struggling with pride in another area, I would encourage you to maybe come forward, kneel at your seat, whatever is comfortable for you, and get it right. Confess that sin of pride and ask God to help you.